0: <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor.
1: Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, Vincent Price stars as Simon Templar, otherwise known as the Saint. He was once quoted as saying, the most difficult thing about that show was coming up with new and unique ways to get conked on the head. (laughs) After a large number of episodes, Price finally left and his replacement Barry Sullivan only lasted a few episodes before the show was eventually canceled. It was resurrected due to public demand, with Vincent Price returning to save the day. The Saint was a swashbuckling Robin Hood type who in his attempt to help people remain just one step ahead of the police and crooks, both of whom he combated. And then the character was created by author Leslie Charteris. Vincent Price was best known for his performances in horror films, although his career spanned other genres. He appeared on stage, television, and radio, and in more than 100 films. He has two stars in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, one for motion pictures, and one for television. Price was also an art collector, and arts consultant, with a degree in art history, and he lectured and wrote books on the subject The Vincent Price Art Museum in East Los Angeles College, named in his honor. He was also a noted gourmet cook. And now the episode entitled The Fighter's Contract
2: The Adventures of The Saint, starring Vincent Price. on characters created by Leslie Charter and known to millions from books, magazines, and motion pictures. The Robin Hood of modern crime now comes to radio, starring Hollywood's brilliant and talented actor, Vincent Price as... The Saint. Templar. Well, if it
3: isn't Randy Patterson. Oh, Templar, am I ever glad to see you. Just what the psychiatrist taught it. Sit down, old boy. Oh, okay. Take a load of... Uh... <laughs> Join me in a bowl of Porsche. Oh, thanks, but I... Ah, no could... sirree, am I ever glad to see you. A sight for these bloodshot orbs,
4: yes, sirree. I realize I'm a very charming fellow and all that, Randy, but even though me thinks this greeting is just a wee bit over-enthusiastic, uh, could it be we're leading up to a touch? Oh, Templar, old oh boy, leave us not be mercenary. There's nothing I'd rather leave us not be. My heart goes out to you,
3: Simon, but not my hand. <laughs> Say, not bad, I'll use that sometimes.
4: You just did. No, I mean in one of my books. You did. Did I? Yes, in the case of the hangman's rope, or there's bad news tonight.
3: Say, that's right. So I did. <laughs> what do you know? So, you read my books. I'm flattered.
4: I read that one.
3: Did you read my latest, uh, the case of the dead man's limp, or he died with his boots on and they were too tight?
4: No, I missed that one. Not oh, too bad.
3: Well, that's why I'm glad to see you.
4: Because I didn't read your
3: book? No, because maybe you can save my life. I could be killed on account of that book. Just that one? Oh, Templar, old boy, you cut me to the quick. The case of the cut-up author or who hacked the hack. Oh, it's no joke, Templar. You've heard of Kid Waldo? The heavyweight? Yeah, I've heard of him. Well, when he was just a punk, Georgie Garnett signed him up to manage him. Lifetime contract. Now the kid is in the higher brackets and he's still tied to Garnett on terms he no like. Well, can't he afford a lawyer? He's got a lawyer, but Garnett swings a mean pen, no loopholes. The contract is ironclad.
4: And your heart bleeds for the kid, and you're afraid you'll bleed to death, I see.
3: Not exactly. You see, the kid figures an angle. Garnett has a wife. Oh, a lovely tomato, Anyway, way you look at her. And, brother, you look at her.
4: You mean the kid looks at her?
3: Precisely, and vice versa. You see, the kid is no bad piece of merchandise himself. Six
4: foot four of solid muscle. And what about his face?
3: Well, his face retains much of its original shape in spite of coming in contact with some of the fanciest leather in the business.
4: Mm-hmm. Soft music, two hearts in three-quarter time. I get the picture. Well, not all of it. Don't forget, uh, Garnett, husband. Ah, yes, triangle. Three hearts in two-quarter right. time. <laughs> and
3: that's the kid's angle. Play up to the
4: missus while she goes for them. So he can use her to get better terms from Garnett, mm-hmm. huh? Mm-hmm.
3: Only the way I wrote it, the kid and the missus slipped the manager a dose of rap. The way <laughs> you
4: wrote it... Well, that's what I'm talking about. You wrote a book based on Kid Waldo's shenanigans with Mrs. Garnett, added murder, and put it on the newsstand? I did, so help me. And I do mean help. I see. One of your real-life characters has read the book. One of them, and... all of them. Uh-oh. Garnett wants to know,
3: are his wife and his fight are really giving them the business? And if so, how do I know? My wife wants to know, how do I know? And the kid wants to know, how do I know?
4: Well, how do you know? Templar? please. A writer protects his saucers. He'd better start protecting himself. Well, that's where you come in. Uh, how big did you say the kid is? That's where I go out. Oh, now, wait a minute. I don't want any part of it, Randy. You deserve what you're getting. You should have known better than to use a real situation. Well, I didn't use their real
3: names. You think I'm crazy? No comment. And I used a disclaimer. Any similarity Mm etc. you,
4: know? Yeah. I don't know how they caught on.
3: But I used a switcheroo. The kid is a top heavyweight contender, but not in the book. I changed all
4: that. Oh, you changed all that?
3: Yeah, in the book, he's a lightweight.
4: (laughs) Now, that's what I call a switcheroo.
3: Well, they're after my hide, so you've got to help me, Templar. Well, what do you want me to do? You expect me to tell a saint his business? Oh, you'll think
4: of something. I already have. Oh, great! What? I'm out of shaving cream, so I better go right Templer, down to the Templar, I
3: appeal to you in the name of our friendship. I'm not. You know,
4: kidding. Randy, I'm beginning to think of a few names for our friendship that aren't exactly appealing.
3: Oh, you wouldn't let me down. You couldn't. I could try. Is this Simon Templar speaking? My old pal, my buddy. Oh. The Simon Templer who oh, saw me through no. the darkest hours of deadly literary tea? Oh, Randy. Who stood by me when the critics <laughs> descended upon my first poor defenseless brainchild? Who was the stop it, hated... stop it, Randy, you're breaking my heart.
4: I'll do what I can for you, Randy. Oh, good old Templar! I knew you'd come through. But I still don't know just what you want.
3: Well, it's simple, old man. These jokers are sore, all of them. Maybe they're after my hide. Well, that's what I've got to find out.
4: In other words, one and all would thoroughly be delighted to see you dead. And you want to know if any of them are making specific plans for such delight,
3: Exactly. Huh? If we know what they're planning, maybe we can stop it. If
4: it's not... You have a feeling all of a sudden any resemblance between you and a living person will be strictly coincidental. Right. Why don't you give that punching bag a rest? It's getting tired. Who are you? Simon Templer. I'm a friend of Randy Patterson. Oh? Oh, please, kid. I want to talk to you. i got nothing to say. Well, then allow me.
5: Look, mister. My lawyers are Smith and McCormick. It's in their hands. You want to talk, talk to them.
4: Oh, lawyers. Yeah, lawyers. I've been libeled. I never did none of the things it says in that book. You didn't? No. Well, then how do you know that the book's about you? How do I know?
3: How do I know? Yeah, how do you know? Why, everything that happens in that book is just exactly like
4: a. Oh, I'll go chase yourself, will you? Oh, kid. You're looking the wrong way. This is my head. That's the punching bag there. See? Yeah. Okay. So long, kid. Yes. My name is Simon Templar. I'm looking for George Garnett. I'm Garnett. Uh, do you always greet your guests with a gun? Lately, and Monk isn't around. Oh, Who's Monk?
5: Bodyguard. Templar, eh? I've heard that name. Well, uh, uh,
4: what do you want? Well, look, I'd like to talk to you, but not in the doorway with a gun in my ribs. All right, come in. Come in. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Templar, Templar. Oh. Seems
5: I, uh, oh, oh, sit down there. Oh, thanks. <sighs> Have to take these blamed indigestion pills. Never stomach. Been under a strain lately. Terrible strain. Uh, by Jove! The saint! Uh, of course. That's right. Yes, sure, sure. Templar. Ah. Well, what brings you here, Templar? Randy Patterson asked Patterson, me Patterson, that rat, that skunk, that murderer. Murderer? Accomplice, him. Uh-huh. So, who's been murdered? Nobody yet. Well, then why? Well, well but somebody maybe. Any minute, any time. Who? Me. That's what he said in that blasted book, isn't it? Me! But that doesn't yeah, mean... Yeah, me, me, me! Well, I tell you, Templar, if I get murdered, I'll hold Patterson partly responsible. So help me, I will.
4: Just because he said you might be
5: killed, you have to thank him for the warning. But he won't tell me where he got the information so I can really protect myself. No, I can't sleep. I. Got... Where'd I put those pills? You swallowed them. Oh, oh, oh. Do you know, Templar? Do you know where he got the information? No. If you knew, would you tell Oh, yes, you would I'll just bet Why'd you come here, Templar? I've been wondering what you planned to do Do? Do? What can I do? Look, I got a beautiful wife We were... well, we got along At least I thought we did Then he says in the book Well, you know Yes,
4: I know Oh,
5: confounded, Templar! a thing like that How can you be sure? Felice says it's a lot of eyewash That's what she says, a lot of eyewash But I've been watching her, watching her and the kid. That's the trouble. Gets you suspicious. Mm -hmm. I've been watching. There's something between them. I know there is. But if only I could be certain. Uh, Are you sure I took those pills? I'm sure. I mustn't forget, Doc says I'm... Well, anyway, back to what I was saying. Uh, 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 What was I saying?
4: You think there's something between Felice and the kid. Uh, Yeah,
5: yeah, think. If only I was... Oh, who's kidding who? I know. If Patterson is right about that, if he's right about that, well, don't you see? The what? The murder. Oh. He could be right about that, too. It comes next. Yeah, the murder comes next. Not necessarily. That's why I got Monk. Big guy. Used to be the kid's sparring partner. Where is he? He ought to be here. Uh, say, look, you still haven't told me what you're doing here, Templar. What do you want? Nothing more with you,
4: Garnett, but I would like to
5: see Felice. Is she at home? No, at the Hotel Bennett. Oh, Yes, after this business, she moved out. Said I was too suspicious. Who wouldn't be suspicious? But I love her, Templar. That's the trouble. Why did he have to... Say, do you suppose there's a chance? Oh, no. Why do I keep trying to kid myself? Get out of here, Templar. Will you get out?
4: I'm going, Garnett. Goodbye.
6: Hey, wait a minute. Where do you think you're going, Mr. Oh. Monk! Monk! Oh, oh Mr. Garnett, I... I didn't know you was here. I seen this fellow come out of the living room. I didn't know who he well, was. You
4: might have asked before you broke my jaw.
6: Is
5: it broke?
4: In at least three places.
6: Ah, you're kidding. Is she a friend of yours, Mr.
5: Garnett? Friend? Is anyone a friend in this doggy-dog world? I don't know. Help him up, Mom. I'll
4: help myself up. Thank you. oh, oh. oh. All right, Monk, you want sparring practice? I'll be glad to accommodate you. Wait a
6: minute. What's she doing here, Mr. Glenet?
4: I'm not quite sure.
6: What, well, shall I throw
5: him out? Look, muscle
4: brains, I'd already be out if you hadn't suddenly rushed to
5: the rescue. He's right, Monk, and speaking of rushing to the rescue, where were you?
6: Well, taking a nap. I've got to keep in condition. I might have needed you. Well, you got the Roscoe.
5: In that case, why do I ever need you? Say, that's a thought. Perhaps I... Uh... Well, Zempler, what are you waiting for? I thought you were going.
4: Well, this has been such a delightful get-together, I can hardly tear myself away. I can tear you away if you need any help. I doubt it, Monk. From the look of you, you don't do so good when the other fellow's in a position to fight back.
6: Yeah, if you was in the ring as long as I was, you'd be kind of banged up, too. But I was plenty good, brother, plenty good. If you want to know, even Joe Lewis was scared of me. Yeah, yeah, he was scared to fight me. How do you like that? Lewis was scared to fight me. How do you know? Well, did he ever fight me? Not that I know. Of. All right,
4: then. I see what you mean. <laughs> Well, goodbye again, fellows.
7: Come in,
4: Mister Temple. Well, look what I get, and I didn't even send in any box tops. What? I was expecting Randy Patterson, but he can wait. In fact, I hope he does. Come in, come in.
8: Mr. Templer, you've got to help me.
4: Well, in that case, you'd better call me Simon. All right. And what do I call you?
8: Felice. Felice Garnett.
4: Oh. Oh, I'm so glad to meet you, Felice. In fact, I've tried to reach you several times today.
8: Really? Why?
4: Well, you see, I'm a friend of Randy Patterson. I didn't
8: know he had any friends.
4: Well, live and learn.
8: Yes, and I want to keep on living. That's why I came here. If you're a friend of Patterson's, maybe I made a mistake. Not necessarily. What brings you here? I heard you'd been to see my husband. I wondered what your interest in us was. I'm afraid I've found out. You said you wanted me to help you. I did. When I heard you were involved, I thought you might be just the one to turn to. That was before you told me about Patterson. Any friend of his is an enemy of mine. Of
4: course. But, Felice, I believe in the old saying, love your enemy. It's
8: rather difficult.
4: Apparently, you need someone to help you. Why not give me a try? Just, uh, what help do you need?
8: Well, it... Well, it can't hurt to tell you. I'm being framed. For what? My husband's murder.
4: Has he been murdered?
8: Well, not yet, but...
4: You know, it's funny how everyone seems to take it for granted that he will be. He
8: will? How do you know? But well, that's what it's all about. What? Didn't you read the book?
4: Look, just because Randy wrote a book. But
8: that's why he wrote it, so my husband could be murdered. Is that a fact? Of course. Patterson wrote a book, thinly Disguised, about me and my husband and Kid Waldo. And it's a kid and I plot to kill my husband. So George read it, got frightened. Now he suspects maybe we really are planning to kill him. He's even hired a bodyguard. Mm-hmm. You see, it's all a buildup. up When George really is killed, naturally, it'll look like the kid and I did it. That's the whole idea.
4: And Randy's in on the plot.
8: Of course. The real killer hired him to throw suspicion on us.
4: Just who is the real killer?
8: I don't know. That's what I wanted you to find out.
4: Well, it's an interesting theory, Felice.
8: Theory? I'll
4: check to see if it's anything more than that.
8: You will? But, but if Patterson's your friend, if I... If he's
4: pocketing blood money, this is the end of a not-so-beautiful friendship. And then, Felice, you and I could be friends.
8: Oh, Simon, if you help me, we'll be more than friends.
4: Aren't you forgetting just one small little item?
8: Am I? Oh, you don't mean the kid, do you? So you don't really believe there's anything between him and me?
4: Perish the thought. Well, then. But isn't there anything else now? Think hard. Oh, I'm no good at guessing games, Simon. Uh, what about your husband?
8: He isn't either.
4: I mean, before you and I give way to mad rapture, shouldn't we think about him?
8: Oh! Oh, so that's what's bothering <laughs> But we don't have to worry about him. He's going to be murdered.
4: Now, don't look now, but isn't that what you want me to prevent?
8: His murder? Heavens, no. I just want you to prove I had nothing to do with it.
4: You'd better run along, Felice. You're angry. No. Well, then what? I feel a previous engagement coming on.
8: Uh, don't tell me you're afraid of my husband.
4: No, Felice.
8: Then I don't understand.
4: I'm afraid of you. <laughs> Andy?
5: old oh boy. How are we doing?
4: I thought you were coming over here. Well,
3: I've been detained and uh, she didn't have a friend. But I'll be right over now if you've got something for
4: me. Well, I can tell you over the phone. It seems each of your opposition has picked up reinforcements.
3: How? Uh-huh.
4: Well, the kid has a couple of lawyers. Uh-oh.
3: I was afraid of that. And Garnett
4: has a bodyguard.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. how about Mrs. Garnett?
4: She has me. Oh,
3: should have known. Want to look at her and you... I'm co-
4: still running. But I'm afraid you're going to have to tell me who did your research for you, Randy. Templar,
3: I told you it was strictly confidential. Well,
4: you can either tell me now or the police later. Police? Mm Mm-hmm, because your character seemed determined to act out the finale of your opus. Garnett is already shopping for a coffin.
7: But I
3: just made up that stuff about the murder. I I don't think the kid and the gal would really knock him off.
4: The consensus is that somebody would, so you'd better talk.
3: But I gave my word.
4: Did that ever stop you before?
3: Templar to think that you should say such a thing. You who've been so
4: close. Several trouble is we've been too close. All right, all
3: right. I'm a no-good, a heel, a liar. I'd sell my soul for a mess of pottage, but at least Templar has always been the best pottage.
4: Mm-hmm. Now, would you please stop talking and talk?
3: You want me to betray a confidence?
4: I thought we'd agreed it's in character.
3: How true. How very, very true.
7: Well, the Leon-
4: Randy! 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 believe in keeping you in shape, don't you, kid? I. Oh, you again, Temple? Yeah. Look, why don't you get lost and take Patterson with you? Patterson already got lost. That's why I'm here. I don't get it. I was talking to him on the phone. I heard shots. I called the police and they called back from Patterson's place. Uh, He's dead. I'm not surprised. What do you know about it? He had it coming. From you? Maybe. Only somebody beat me to it. Is that so? I got nothing more to say. You want conversation? See my lawyer. Yeah, Smith and McCormick. I know. I may get around to it. Yeah, do that. Hello, please. Oh.
8: Hello,
4: Simon. I asked at the desk. They said I'd find you here in the bar.
9: That's where I am. Here is the bar. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Very well, it isn't, and I'm lonesome. Nobody's been here all afternoon except my friend Tony. Tony's my favorite bartender. Tony. I
4: Mr. Templer. Hi, Miss Timber. Charmed. Uh, uh Felice.
9: Simon, bartender? Tony hit me again. My friend's setting him up. Okay, Miss Garnett. Oh, thank you. Hmm. <laughs> gotta keep up Simon, what are you drinking?
4: I'll just watch you.
9: I know why you're here.
4: Good. Suppose you tell me. I've been
9: wondering. You want to know if I have an alibi? Well, I have, I came right here from your place and I've been here ever since I see. You hate
4: me, don't you? No Why do you keep spying on me? I simply can't keep myself away from you
9: (laughs) I believe that
4: If you believed it, I wouldn't say
9: it Huh? You're just trying to mix me
4: up You've already mixed me up What's this alibi you were talking about?
9: Who oh, for the murder,
4: silly. Oh, and how do you know about that? It's not in the papers yet.
9: Oh, really, Simon, for a smart man, you the kid. Phone me, how else do you think I'd know? He didn't
4: waste any time, did he?
9: He well, you knew I'd be interested.
4: Nice of him to be so considerate. I thought there was nothing between you two. You are spying. I'm curious. Or maybe you're
8: jealous.
9: <laughs>
8: I, uh, jealous, Simon? Terribly. Too? I wish I believed that. What's between
4: you and the kid?
9: I told you, nothing. He phoned you. He knew I'd be interested.
4: he's no, getting a no place.
9: You could get someplace, Simon. If only you would stop acting so sorry. I thought he could. Don't you like me just a little bit? Yes,
4: Felice, I like you.
9: Simon. Just a little bit. Simon.
4: Who do you think killed Randy Patterson, Felice?
9: Must we talk about this?
4: I'm beginning to think it's the safest subject. Don't you have any idea who might have done it?
9: No. I'm afraid I don't know what you want, Simon. I'm
4: afraid I do know what you want, Well,
9: get this. Isn't this cold? Oh, hello, kid. Oh, don't get the wrong idea, kid. We were just talking. Yeah, it looks like. How about the murder? You were making with the moon eyes. Well, kid, believe me, there's nothing between Simon and me, not a thing. (laughs)
4: He's right, kid. There's nothing more between us than there is between her and, say, you, for example. Huh? And she has assured me your relationship was strictly platonic.
9: Police. You told him that. Well, no, I don't get the wrong idea. Oh, I do? I ain't got any idea. Well, what does it mean?
4: Plato was a philosopher, student of Socrates, who believed that if two people oh, got. A wise guy. Very.
8: Kid, please don't be angry.
4: No. You'll play around with this guy, and then he starts cracking smart. I ought to push your face out. Oh, kid, never strike a lady. And you, too. Or a gentleman, <laughs> when the gentleman is me. Oh, yeah? We'll see. I can't. <laughs> All right, Felicity, miss. But not this time. I can't Sorry. Now that it only takes one Three strikes, you're out oh. Now that's enough, kid One more and maybe I'd be out So I'd better be running See you around Oh, it's you Mm-hmm You greet me with a gun, too, Monk. That's what I like about this place. So friendly.
6: You got no idea how friendly. Just the guy we want to see. Come in, pal. Come right in.
4: Now, that's a switch. Last time you were all for throwing me out. Oh,
6: that's before I learned what a sweet guy you was. Now, come on in. With such a hearty invitation, I don't see how I can
4: refuse. (laughs) You (laughs) can't. You know, Monk, this is an unexpected pleasure. When I was here before, I got the impression Garnett was considering firing you. Oh, he couldn't do that. Where is he?
6: In fact, he'll be in a minute. Now you want to see why he couldn't find me? Why, on a kind of there's some things I can do so much better. Like for instance,
4: this
7: room.
4: Oh, you kick so beautifully, Monk. Your mother must have been a rocket.
6: Ah, don't try to hit back. This Roscoe's looking at your belly. All of a
4: sudden, I'm everybody's target for tonight. What's the idea?
6: Mister Garnet wanted to know how much Patterson told you. He asked you nice, real nice. I don't ask so nice, but I get answers. Well, you want to talk now, or shall we dance? I have nothing to say. We'll see you about that. <clears throat> You still got nothing to say?
4: I'm beginning to think of a few things, but I have an idea you wouldn't care for them.
6: (laughs) You kill me. Maybe I can do the same for you sometime, like right now, for instance, unless you're ready to talk. I'll think about it. Well, while you're thinking, put up your hands over your head. Hurry up. Don't forget the Roscoe.
4: My old friend, how could
6: I? That's it. And now, just to help you make up your mind, here's... Oh. Well, hello, Mr. Garnett.
4: What's going on here? Uh, Hello, Templar. Greetings, Mr.
6: Garnett. You don't want to talk, Mr. Garnett. I've been trying to change his mind.
5: I'll go right ahead. Don't let me stop you.
6: I'm afraid it's no use. He's a stubborn type.
5: Yes, so it would seem, Monk. So it would seem. Well, Templar, to what are we indebted for this return visitor? I've seen Felice. I thought you might like to know how she's getting along. Why should I care? Does she care about me? Does she ever even call... Don't stand there with your hands like that, Templar. It looks ridiculous. It's Monk's idea.
6: You heard, Mister Garnet.
5: Templar, put him down.
4: Well, if you insist.
5: How is she, Templar? Who? Oh, Felice. Fine. I was afraid of that. Afraid? I'd like to think she needed me. I've got to put her out of my mind, Templar.
4: Completely. Only answer. Tell me something, Garnet. What? Where were you this afternoon? Home. All afternoon. Yes. Why? Was anyone with you?
5: I was. The whole time? Yes, except for another nap. He likes to keep in condition. Only
6: I didn't sleep so good. I was only gone a few
5: minutes, just a few minutes. Half hour or so? Why, Templar? Did you try to reach me? No, couldn't have. I'd have heard the phone. If you were here. But I told you... So you
4: did. Just a minute. What are you going to do? Just this. (laughs) Templar. Why, you, you knocked out Monk. Yeah, so it seems. Funny, I didn't hit him very hard.
5: You aimed at his chin. Always was his weakness. Had a wicked right, but he could never take it. Round heels. That's his trouble. I could have made a champ out of him if it hadn't been for those.
4: Oh, but that's neither here nor there. Why'd you do it? He slugged me before when I wasn't looking. This evens the account. And it gives me a chance to get his rascal. Oh? I uh, want to point something out to you, Garnett. I didn't want Monk interfering. What? Randy Patterson doesn't live too far from here. I believe you could make it in 15 minutes. Perhaps so, perhaps so. What are you driving at? 15 there, 15 back, half hour would have been long enough. For what? For you to have gone to his place and killed him. Killed him? But, but, do you mean
5: have somebody? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't present I'm not pleased, but surely you don't really think that I... Why, that's prepu- That's absurd!
4: Well, you could have, while Monk was
5: sleeping. No, no, you don't understand. It's at least 15 minutes to Patterson's place, at the very least. If you
4: hurry, race, like mad. How do you know? I've been there, but not today. Not today. But you know, you said yourself. All right, 15 minutes, round trip and half an hour. That's all you needed. Well, 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 that was just round figures. I'm sure Monk couldn't have been out of the room for, oh, well,
5: 20 minutes at most. You'll see when he comes to. We'll ask him. 20 minutes at the most.
4: Mm -hmm. I'm sure he'll say whatever you want him to, but we'll see.
5: Say, I just thought of something. What? Has has there been any report about the murder yet? Uh, Newspaper, radio? No, not so
4: soon. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, then, Mr.
5: Templer, how come you happen to know
4: about it? A nice point, Garnett, but notice what big ears I have, Grandpa. I overheard. Overheard? In telephone. Come on, Monk. Wake up. Wake up. Mm. Come on. Come on. Hey, Hey, where is he? Oh, hey, hey, hey. It was an accident. I I slipped. I... I hit my head. You didn't. Sure, Monk, sure. What big ears you have, too, Monk. Genuine cauliflower. How did you hear about it? Hear about what? The murder. Who, oh, me? I didn't... Obviously, Garnett didn't know about the murder or he wouldn't have stuck his neck out by admitting you were out of the room. He didn't start crawling until I mentioned the murder. That's right, Templar. you noticed. But that. I also noticed that Monk was very busy trying to build the alibi before I mentioned the murder. Well, sure, I, I was trying to protect Mr. Garnett. After all, I got a great sense of loyalty. No, Monk, you haven't got any sense of loyalty or any sense. How did you know he needed protection unless you knew about the murder? Of
5: course. How did he know?
4: Unless he was a murderer. Are you crazy? Maybe, Monk. But the alibi you were preparing for Garnett would have worked for you, too. If you were here with Garnett, you couldn't have committed the murder. Isn't that why you insisted you were gone only a few minutes?
6: My head hurts. I got nothing to say.
4: But, Templar, what motive would Monk have? There's one thing we've all been wondering about, Garnett. How did Randy find out about your wife and the kid? Must have been from someone who was close to the kid. Say, a sparring partner, for instance. Ha, 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 you've hit it. I think so. Monk gave Randy the information. Then when things got hot, Monk was afraid Randy might snitch, so he killed him to silence. That's it, Templar. that's it. Monk, you scoundrel, you villain, uh, you... Ah, shut up. Monk, that's insubordination. Now, come on, Monk. You and I are going to police headquarters. Who says Ah, uh-huh. Monk, don't try to get tough. Maybe Joe Lewis is scared of you, but I ain't. Come on, let's go.
2: listening to another adventure of The Saint, the Robin Hood of modern crime. This is Vincent Price inviting you to join us again next
4: week at this same time for another exciting adventure of The Saint. Good night.
2: Was written by Jerome Epstein. Our cast included Betty Lou Gerson, Bonnie Phillips, Stanley Farrar, Edmund MacDonald, and Tom Brown. The music was composed and conducted by Vaughn Dexter. The Saints, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris, is a James L. Safier production and is directed by Helen Mack. Vincent Price is soon to be seen co starring in RKO's production, His Kind of Woman. All you Saints fans will be glad to know that the Saints comic books are on sale at all newsstands. Your announcer is Don Stanley. Night hear Nightbeat, the story of Chicago after dark. Listen as Randy Stone searches the city for adventure and a story of mystery and intrigue. Nightbeat is another great action-packed program, so be sure to listen tomorrow night and every Monday night to Nightbeat. Next, Sam Spade cuts the caper. Then hear Dorothy Mayner on NBC.
1: Stay tuned for Burns and Allen next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for George Burns and Gracie Allen as they get set to welcome the star of The Life of Riley, William Bendix.
10: Bill Goodwin speaking for Lever Brothers, makers of Swan, the new white floating soap that's pure as fine Castiles. Well, it's Tuesday night again. Time for another pleasant visit with George Burns and Gracie Allen. Our guest, William Bendix. A special visitor, Herbert Marshall. Jimmy Cash, the Swan Tet, and Felix Mills and his orchestra. And now, meet the people who live in the Burns House: George and Gracie. <clears throat> Well, breakfast is just over at the Burns house, and George is about to leave for the office.
11: Oh, George, I don't think you ought to go to the office today. You don't look well. Oh, I'm
12: all right. A little tired. I, I worked late last night.
11: No, darling, it's more than that. You're weak. Why, at breakfast, you had to hit your boiled egg four times to crack it.
7: I
12: did, huh?
11: Yeah. And when you're feeling your usual robust self, you only have to hit it three times. <laughs>
12: Yeah, before I was married, I could crack them with my bare hands
11: Well, i better get started for the office No, dear What you need is rest and nourishment Now, you lie down while I go get a chicken and milk it for you
7: You're
12: gonna milk the chicken?
11: Well, I, I would cream it, but all I have is milk Say,
12: cream chicken <clears throat> Sounds great, but I'd rather get to the office
11: No, darling You're gonna rest right here in this den Shall I bring down the flower pajamas I gave you for Christmas?
12: Oh, don't bother. They don't look good on me.
11: Oh, I think they're very becoming. Why, across the hips, the flowers look like they're just ready to burst into bloom.
12: (laughs) Ah, never mind.
11: Oh, dear company. I'll close the door so nothing will disturb you.
0: Greetings,
11: dear lady. Oh, good morning, Mister Bolingbroke. Well, how is your school of culture and dramatic art coming along?
13: Alas, it no longer exists. My landlady cast me forth from my lodgings.
11: Ah, oh, too bad.
13: Yes, and one cannot teach culture on a park bench. Policemen and pigeons spoil
11: the mood. <laughs> Wait, I have an idea. Why couldn't you use my house for your culture school? Who knows, it might become as famous as the Louvre, the Acropolis, the Palladium.
13: That's a splendid idea. Ah, but there is an insect in the ointment of culture, your husband. For some obscure reason, he considers me a burden.
11: Oh, well, don't worry. We'll only hold classes while George is at the office. Now, you get whatever you need for the culture school, and I'll get rid of my husband.
13: Good luck to you, Mrs. Burns, and good riddance to your husband.
11: <laughs> Why, well, George, haven't you gone to work yet? Huh? Let me see your tongue. Ah. Well, it looks fine, not a bit bloodshot. <laughs>
12: But, Gracie, a minute ago, you
14: said...
11: Uh, Put on your coat while I answer the door. Yes?
14: Excuse me, lady, but is this where the Gilhulis live?
11: No. No, I'm sorry. You have the wrong address. (laughs) Okay, thanks. (laughs) Who was that? I don't know, but he looked kind of familiar. Well, goodbye, George. Hurry to the office.
12: Do you really think I ought to go? I feel kind of dizzy. Maybe I've got something Mm,
11: My father never missed a day's work in his life He had lots of things to make him dizzy
12: I know, I married one of them Hi folks
11: Oh, hello, Bill
12: You leaving, George? I guess so Bill, do you think I look my usual self this morning? Well, no, George, you don't See, Gracie? You look good (laughs) Goodbye, funny man
11: Oh, Bill, now that George is gone, I can tell you the wonderful news. I I didn't want George to find out about it, so you're the first one I'm telling.
10: Why, Gracie, you're going to have a baby.
11: I am? (laughs) Oh, Bill, that's better news than I have for you. (laughs) Well, what do you think it'll be?
10: Well, wait a minute, Gracie. Isn't that what you were going to tell me? Oh, no. Oh. Well, uh... What is the news, Gracie?
11: Well, Nigel Bolingbroke and I are opening a school of drama and culture.
10: Oh, really? Well, say, maybe I could teach diction.
11: Oh, are you good at that?
10: Well, Grace, I don't want to brag, but just yesterday, one of the biggest radio announcers in this town came to me to help him with his voice. Really? Oh, yeah, he said, um... Bill, old friend, my sponsor is unhappy... Show me how you say swan The new white floating soap is four soaps in one (laughs) The soap for your hands and face for bathing the baby And the soap for your dishes and light laundry Show me that, Bill.
11: Oh, the poor man, did you help him?
10: Well, when I got through with him, he was talking like this Swan is a great wartime (laughs) buy. When you wash the dishes with a swan, you get heaps of suds. Suds so gentle, so mild, uh, you don't have to worry about rough red dishpanny hands.
11: So he talked like that on his program and the sponsor was happy, huh?
10: No, the sponsor fired him. He was supposed to sell coffee. <laughs>
11: Now, Bill. I'm afraid you won't do as a teacher.
10: Well, okay, Gracie. Oh, by the way, before I go, do you know the Gilhulies in this neighborhood?
11: Well, now that's funny. There was another man here asking for them.
10: Well, that must have been William Bendix. He's trying to locate these friends of his from Brooklyn.
11: William Bendix, the, the movie star?
10: Yeah.
11: Oh, my goodness, and I practically slammed the door in his face. Oh, the poor man. From the looks of his face, it's had lots of doors slammed on it. <laughs>
10: Well, you know, Gracie, Bendix is really a swell guy. I worked with him in the picture, Wake Island. You remember that big, dumb Marine?
11: Yeah, I I thought you were very good. (laughs) No, he
10: he was the big, dumb Marine.
11: Oh, Oh, yes. Say, Bill... Wouldn't William Bendix be a wonderful guinea pig for our culture school? What do you mean? Well, if we could make a suave, sophisticated, leading man out of him, we'd be famous.
10: You'd be magicians. He doesn't go for that culture stuff, Gracie.
11: Well, uh, maybe I can get him interested. Oh, excuse me, Bill.
10: Look, Uh,
14: lady, are you sure you don't know where the Gilhulies live? I'm just dying to talk to somebody from Brooklyn.
11: Well, come right in, Mr. Ben Dix.
14: You mean you're from Brooklyn?
11: Well, they call me Green Pernt Gracie. <laughs> well, hallelujah!
10: Our young hunter, Jimmy Cash, with a brand-new popular ballad, So Good Night. James...
1: Good night Nothing more left to say One day
0: Now you
7: said, darling, I'm you forever, so good night with a heart full of love, I'll dim the light, and dream you're holding me tight.
10: is the ideal pupil for her school of drama and culture. So she has lured him into the house by pretending to be from Brooklyn.
14: Gee, lady, it sure is great to meet somebody from Brooklyn.
11: Oh, yes, the motherland.
14: Yeah.
11: <laughs> ah, such a lovely place with its trees and its flowers and its little flat bushes.
14: Yeah, you said a kisserful, lady. What memories? Eating weenies and kraut from a pushcart while the new moon caresses the navy yard.
11: You make it sound like poetry, Mr. Bendix. Oh,
14: I don't take no credit. Brooklyn brings out the poet in anybody that's human.
11: And you are, aren't you? Yes. Well, enough about Brooklyn. Let's talk about you, Mr. Bendix.
14: Okay, that's an interesting subject.
11: Um, how does it feel to be such a flop in pictures?
14: Hmm? Oh, I ain't doing so bad.
11: Well, the folks back home are disappointed in your playing a cab driver. They'd rather see you as Romeo or Madame Curie.
14: Oh, I couldn't play them. They was foreigners.
11: Well, just the same. The home folks feel that you've let them down. And they don't feel that way about Ronald Coleman.
14: Gee, is he from Brooklyn?
11: One of the oldest families.
14: Well, that's funny. I never run into him in none of the saloons.
11: And Brooklyn is mighty proud of Walter Pigeon. Him, too? Sure.
14: You don't say.
11: You see, Mr. Coleman and Mr. Pigeon are successful because they're cultured Brooklyn gentlemen.
14: Yeah. They make out pretty good with the dames, too.
11: Huh? Oh, oh, are you interested in women?
14: Oh, yeah, they could very easily become a hobby with me.
11: suppose Charles Boyer always gets the girls? Politics. No, because he's a cultured Brooklyn gentleman.
14: I thought he was French.
11: That's right, from the French Quarter of Brooklyn. (laughs) The left bank.
14: The left bank?
11: Yeah. You know, the other side of the Canasi swamps. Oh,
14: yeah. A lovely spot.
11: Mm. You could get the girls, too, if you'd brush up on culture. Now, uh, for instance, I'll bet you blow on your soup.
14: Well, sure, but strictly proper, I never blow on it toward me.
11: (laughs) Ronald Coleman doesn't blow on his soup at all.
14: Fans it with his bread,
11: huh? Mr. Bendix, you do need culture. Wouldn't you like to become a gentleman?
14: Lady, I'm a gentleman to the tip of my toes.
11: Well, maybe, but from there up, you need plenty of work. I do, huh? Yeah. Now, for example... What would you do at a party if a young lady held out her hand to you?
14: I guess I'd bite it.
11: <laughs> Ronald Coleman would kiss it.
14: Well, he ain't as lonesome as I've been. Now,
11: yeah. Yeah, you, you better enroll in culture school right away.
14: Okay, I'll give it a try. Where is this seat of higher learning?
11: You're sitting on it.
14: This is the school?
11: Yep. We have a course that's guaranteed to make the average man a gentleman in a week.
14: Well, do you think you can make me a gentleman in a week?
11: Well, it might take a little longer, but don't worry. The months will fly by.
13: <laughs> well, Come in. Tis I, dear lady.
11: Oh, come in, Dean Bolingbro. I want you to meet our student, William Bendix.
13: Well, well. Our first sucker, a uh, seeker after knowledge. Uh... Hiya, Dean. Do you think you can make me a Ronald Coleman? Hey, boy, we shall plant in you the flower of culture. It's up to you to make it bloom.
11: Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll bloom beautifully in Mister Bendix. He's a perfect pot. <laughs> oh.
7: <laughs> Thank
11: you.
13: And now, my dear scholar, uh, shall we discuss that little matter of uh, the uh, uh, enrollment fee? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
7: uh,
13: you mean dope. Yes, yes. Um, Do as you so delightfully put it. (laughs) Uh, Naturally, you want to enroll for all our courses. Oh, sure. I'll take everything you got. It's mutual. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, just count your money slowly into my palm. Okay. Ten. For elocution. Twenty. For rhetoric. Twenty-five. For poise. Thirty. For elocution.
7: You said that.
13: Uh, uh, that was compound elocution. This is complex. Oh, well.
14: I guess that's the bundle. Wait, wait a minute. Hold on. Here's a book I didn't see.
13: You may keep that for your honesty. Oh, uh, <laughs>
7: thanks,
13: Dean. Well, not at all. You show great promise, dear pupil. I predict that you will make the Hall of Fame. And I didn't make a bad hall myself. Uh, farewell, friends. Oh, no,
11: wait, Mr. Bolingbroke. How about Mr. Bendix's culture lesson? Well, there
13: isn't time today. If your husband comes home and catches us running this culture school, he'll skin us alive.
11: Oh, dear, that's right. And we haven't got the skin to spare like he has. (laughs) How true. Oh, Mr. Bendix, you better come back tomorrow. Goodbye.
13: Well, gee whiz, I paid my dough. I want a lesson. Uh, Mrs. Burns, I suggest we step into the next room and hold a faculty meeting. Excuse us, Mr. Bendix.
14: Gee If the folks back in Flatbush could only see me now. Me in a culture school.
12: Hello. Hello. (laughs) Aren't you William Bendix? Yeah, why? Well, nothing. I'm a little surprised to see you here. Well, you look a little out of place yourself. (laughs) Out of
14: place? I live here. Gee, she ain't made you much like Ronald Coleman. (laughs) She? Yeah, uh, little dame, your daughter
7: She
12: happens to be my wife Oh, well, well, I'm your new student Student? Look, where is my wife? She's in there Well, excuse me
11: Why, well, George, you're not supposed to be home this early I mean, uh, hello, dear
13: Bolingbroke, what are you doing here? Leaving Goodbye
12: Gracie, what's William Bendix doing in the living room? He says he's a student here.
11: Is... is that all all he told you? Yes.
12: If he's a student, who's his teacher? You. Me?
11: What do I teach him? Singing. Oh, stop. Oh, it's true, darling. You've been the talk of Hollywood since you sang at that party the other night.
12: Well, I... I did kind of make a hit, didn't
11: I? Oh, yes, dear. When you sang the desert song, you were so believable. All the sand and gravel of the desert seemed to be right in your throat. <laughs> Gee.
12: My desert is calling. Oh, come back to me.
11: Oh, oh my sheik. So
12: that's what... why Bendix is here. Watch me to teach him to sing? Sure. You know, Gracie, when I walked in here, I half expected you to make up some kind of a lie.
11: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you're cute.
10: <laughs> Time for Felix Mills and his orchestra, and tonight with the Swansett, an old favorite that's back in favor now. My ideal. <laughs>
7: She's a dream and yet she might be Just around the corner waiting for me Will I recognize the light in her eyes That no other eyes reveal Or will I pass her by And never even know that she is mine
10: Keep George and Bendix apart so that George won't find out his home has been turned into a culture school.
12: Well, I'm going in to show Bendix how I
10: say.
11: Oh, no, you, you can't, dear. You see, when you sang the desert song just now, you didn't sound right. The the gold was missing from your voice.
12: No gold at all?
11: Well, it was tarnished. <laughs> Some of the notes you sang were sort of green.
12: Gee, I, I thought I sounded swell. My desert is calling. No, no, oh, I'm, I'm
11: sorry. Well, maybe, yeah. yeah. No, no. But uh, I'm very sensitive to the quality of your voice. When its bell-like tones are perfect, my whole body quivers.
12: And it didn't quiver then?
11: No, only my left leg twitched a little. You mean, you mean I'm slipping? No, I'm sure it's nothing permanent. Uh, just this morning, you were superb when you sang in the shower. Oh, I love the way you kept tuned to the rhythm of the drum beats.
12: What drum beats?
11: The water bouncing off your stomach. (laughs) Oh, that. Showers seem to help your boy. Why don't you go up and take another shower now? A nice long one. But, sweetheart... Oh, please, George, wash yourself back into shape and then show Mr. Bendix how you sing.
12: Well, okay, I want him to hear me at my best. Uh, Just tell him I won't be long.
11: All right, dear. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry I left you so long, Mr. Bendix, but... My husband is home now, and I'll have to give you your culture lesson tomorrow. Goodbye.
14: But, gee, lady, I want to go out stepping tonight. Couldn't you just slip me enough culture to get, anyhow, an ugly dame?
11: (laughs) Well, uh, maybe a short lesson, just long enough for a shower. What's that? Oh, nothing, nothing. Now, we'll pretend that we're Hollywood's two most charming and sophisticated personalities. Uh, You'll be Ronald Coleman, and I'll just be myself. Okay. Now, you're serving me tea, and you just say whatever you think Mr. Coleman would say.
14: All right. Uh, 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 uh sorcerer tea,
11: your madam ship? Mm, cheerio. Lemon? Quite. Crumpet? No, just squeeze it. Uh, spoon? Oh, let's have our tea first. Pit, pit. Been hunting today, Ronald.
14: Constantly.
11: So <laughs> how was the hunt? It stunk. <laughs> you, um, you didn't catch a fox?
14: No, they wasn't fighting.
11: Oh, how <laughs> dreadful.
14: Beastly.
10: Well, how am I doing?
11: Oh, you were wonderful. If it wasn't for a few things like your face, I'd have sworn you were Ronald Coleman.
10: Hiya, Gracie.
11: Uh uh-huh, hello, Bill.
10: Bendix, are you still
14: here? Mr. Goodwin, you are now looking at the Bendix that all the women want.
10: Well, you are built a little like a washing machine.
14: (laughs) One more dirty crack and I'll kick your teeth in.
11: Oh, Mr. Bendix, Hmm? remember your culture. You should say one more uncouth remark and I'll kick your teeth in.
14: Oh, yeah. You see, Goodwin, this little lady has molded me into a Ronald Coleman. Really? It doesn't show.
11: Oh, Bill, I think he definitely looks molded. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Will you bring me a towel? Oh, George is out of the shower. You boys better leave. Uh, Mr. Bendix, I'll see you tomorrow. Goodbye.
10: Bye.
14: Well, Goodwin, now that I'm cultured, I ought to get plenty of things.
10: Now, Now, look, Bendix, if you want to get somewhere with the women, listen to me. Now, let's say that you have a beautiful woman in your home.
14: Well, that's already further than I ever got before
10: <laughs> Well, now now first you want to show her that nothing's too good for her, okay. you see So you open the bar and you tell her to help herself Yeah, go on Yeah, Her eyes will light up and she'll say, oh, Mr. Bendix, for me, that whole bar of swan Bar of what? A swan That's the new white floating soap Women are crazy about swan because it's four soaps in one Great for their hands and face or for bathing the baby, and tops for dishes and light laundry. Swan is four swell soaps in one, a great wartime buy.
14: Wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean to tell me I can get beautiful dames with swan soap? For well, sure. <laughs> Holy smoke, and I've been wasting that stuff taking a bath with it.
10: <laughs> well, no, Bill, that's not wasting it. A swan bass, wonderful. Even babies love those mildest may swan suds. Swan's as fine cast Say, if Swan is that mild, that pure, you couldn't ask for a better soap for your complexion.
14: Well, yeah, 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 but, but, but what about this beautiful dame I got in my home? Yeah. She's standing there clutching a bar of soap. Now, now, but, uh...
10: What now? Well, yeah. now you, you take her in your arms, Bill, and you squeeze her. Yeah. Yeah. One little squeeze, does it? The bar of Swan breaks in two. Huh? Huh? And you put half in the bathroom for your hands-and-face tub or shower and half in the kitchen for your dishes and light laundry. Then you send the dame home.
14: Send her home.
11: Oh, my goodness. Haven't you boys gone yet?
14: Well, we were just... Well, to, uh, too
11: late now. My husband's on his way down to give you a singing lesson.
14: Singing lesson? But Ronald Coleman doesn't sing.
11: But think how many more women you'll attract if you talk like Coleman and sing like Sinatra. Gee Oh, well, you can be a new and different, Sinatra The microphone can lean on you
10: <laughs> Tracy, George is giving singing lessons? Oh, yes
11: Why, if it weren't for him, Frank Sinatra wouldn't be where he is today George? Sure, he found an apartment for him <laughs> Well, Fendix, uh,
12: I'm ready for your singing lesson. Now sit down and I'll show you how you'll sound after five or six years of hard study.
1: I ain't got nobody.
12: Nobody cares for me. Including me.
10: Goodbye, John
12: I am so sad and lonely, baby. Won't somebody take a chance with me, but loo-do-do.
11: Oh. oh, you see, you see how he closes his eyes, Mr. Bendix?
14: Yeah, he's closing the wrong thing.
12: <laughs> I'll
11: sing sweet love songs all the time. If you will
12: be my baby, baby, then you'd be mine. I ain't got nobody, babe. And nobody, nobody, nobody cares for me.
11: Bendix, when you learn to sing like that, you'll get plenty of women.
14: Lady, the dames I could get with a voice like that I wouldn't want. So long. Shut
7: up! you back ten
11: years. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have with us tonight a very dear friend of ours, you all know and admire, who has an important message for us all. May I present Herbert Marshall.
13: In the past five years in this country, 50,000 persons have been stricken by infantile paralysis. Thousands of these victims, most the little children, are still crippled. They need care, which you can help to give them by joining the fight against infantile paralysis. The National Foundation for Infantile Paralysis needs your dimes and dollars now to care for those already crippled and to check future epidemics. Send your dimes and dollars to President Roosevelt at the White House. Address your contributions to the White House, Washington, D.C. Join the March of Dimes and do it today.
11: Oh, thank you, Mr. Marshall. Good night,
10: Our guest tonight, William Benix, is now heard in his own radio program, The Life of Riley. His next motion picture will be the Harry H. The makers of Swan, the new white-coating soap, join George and Gracie in inviting you to tune in to your Columbia station again next Tuesday, same time, when we will have as our guest, Paul Henry. The following week, William Powell. Remember, George Burns and Gracie Allen, CBS, next Tuesday night. And now, till next Tuesday, this is Bill Goodwin saying, Well, I, Swan, how about you? Good night, everyone.
1: Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Lights Out, followed by Martin and Lewis.